We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends, sending you big blessings on this glorious day. So do you believe you have a healthy relationship with your emotions? All of them? I know I grew up in a household where my father was allowed to have the anger, but nobody else. So I grew up believing that anger was not okay and really lost touch with it. This in turn caused a lot of confusion, drama, and trauma in my relationships and in my life. Then I found this incredible book called The Language of Emotions, What Your Feelings Are Trying to Tell You. This book opened my mind to the possibility that anger is not bad and not just okay, but absolutely vital and necessary in order to have a happy and healthy life. In fact, every emotion needs to be honored, expressed, and explored to connect and align with our soul self, which is something I believe everybody wants, whether they know it or not. So when I decided I wanted to have a conversation about the power of emotions and the relationship to our soul, I thought, who better than this author who helped me understand, integrate, and accept all of my feelings and all of myself? And I'm so thrilled she said yes. We are spending time with award-winning author Carla McLaren. She's also a science researcher and pioneering educator whose empathetic approach to emotions revalues even the most quote-unquote negative emotions. And she opens new pathways into the depth of our souls. Carla has specialized in the study of emotions as an integrated system for more than 35 years. Her empathetic approach to emotions has taken her through the healing of her own childhood trauma into a healing career and now into the study of sociology, anthropology, neurology, cognitive psychology, and education. So Carla, thank you so much for being here with us today on Journey to Center. Thank you, Tammy. It's wonderful to talk to you. Yes, you really, really opened my mind with your book about the positive energy around quote-unquote negative emotions. So I just really want to thank you for your work because it is very unique. Yeah, it is. And uh, (laughs) um, when people hear what Anger is po- what anger is positive. They can't even sort of put the two words together. You know, this, the two words don't go together really. It was also interesting to hear you talk about your dad being the only one in the family who was allowed to have anger, and I've noticed that uh, quite a bit is that emotions are not only separated in terms of which are the good ones and which are the bad ones, but they're separated by gender, mm. such that. Women, we have a name for women who express anger, and it's not a good name. Yeah, it begins with B, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. It rhymes with witch. <laughs> and <in> my brain. <laughs> we have a name for men who express sadness or grief, and that's not a good name either. You know, it's a wussy, wimp, or other names like that. So, so emotions are not only separated out by which ones you can and can't have, but which ones, which ones you can have depending on what gender you are. That's true. I mean, it does seem socially more acceptable for women to be sad and men to be angry. Mm-hmm, but I've mm-hmm. seen in my counseling practice how that really affects relationships in a very negative way. There's a victim and there's a bully. Yes. So it's like if we don't own all our emotions. We end up in really out of balance and dysfunctional relationships. 
Yeah, and I notice that often when we can't have an emotion because, you know, we were told we couldn't, we'll find someone who will either make us have it or who will have it for us. Who will carry it for us. Yeah. yeah that was absolutely <laughs> my reality. I dated a lot yeah. of really angry men. Yeah. And I had no idea until I read your book that I needed to cultivate, own, accept, articulate my own anger so that I could have more balanced, healthy relationships. That was kind yeah. of a revelation for me. Yeah, and it's huge for women. It's huge for women because we have such poor anger role models. I think we have almost no good anger role models, um, partly because the way that we see anger acted out is either that people express it in a violent or disrespectful way, or they repress it, you know, with a steamy kind of a passive-aggressive behavior um, that you can tell it's anger later, you know, (laughs) but, but the way that we see anger out in, in culture, in our, in our relationships is that there's really no good way to do it. And that there's no way to be angry. That's, that's self-respecting or other respecting. Um, not really. So we don't really have a lot of options. I remember when I was little, um, I had the unusual position of being angry, uh, being allowed to be angry as a young girl And it was because I was um, molested as a child, and my family sort of fell apart around this. It wasn't an in-family molestation. It was a neighbor. But I think they they thought, if Carla's angry, we we know she'll be okay. But, but you know, then I became a person who had to learn how to to work with anger because I had a little bit too much of it. But I remember my mom would say to me, and it was funny, she would say when I would start getting steamed up, she would say, no fighting, no biting, no kicking, no yelling, no screaming, you know, she would just give me a list of things I couldn't do. And then she would say, use your words. (laughs) I was like, first of all, I don't have words right now. I have anger. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, You're that deep in it. When you're, when you're, when you have rage. It's yeah, put that into English or any other Yeah, language. that doesn't go into English very easily. I mean, as I got older, I, I became very good at expressing rage in words and destroying people, but that wasn't fun either. Um, so it was just funny how many no's I had around anger, and I think certain all all children and, and most women have a lot of no's around anger. No fighting, no biting, no kicking, no swearing, no screaming, no yelling, you know. Um, but where where is the yes? What do you do? And so that was one of my first questions about emotions is how can you have them in a way that um, is respectful of yourself and the emotion and the other person at the same time? (laughs) It took a while. (laughs) Yes, I can see where it would um, to find that balance. And I feel like I've had my own dance with anger and have come into balance. And something that has been so powerful for me to understand is that anger is really about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like letting somebody know that they've crossed a line. Mm-hmm. And if we can and articulate can it sooner versus then later, yeah. we maintain our healthy boundaries. Otherwise, you're going to get rolled over and you're probably going to have rage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it can back up in our physiology in some really negative ways. So can yeah. you talk a little bit more about that? So what I did as I studied, I had a lot of really interesting people to study in my neighborhood. Um, my molester, who was a raging, you know, carried a hammer around and scared people kind of person. My dad, who did a simmering anger, but you never really saw it. And my mom, who never did anger. And a cat that I hung out with, who was very good with setting boundaries. And I watched all these different um, experiences of anger. And I finally got, yeah, anger is about boundaries. 
and how you set them is how you um, how you find the respect and the respectability within this emotion. And really, I learned it from um, from my cat friend Tommy Tiger, and he would just set you know set himself down, and silly dogs would come up, and he would just look at them. He wouldn't growl. He wouldn't you know hiss. He would just look at them and tell them, "This is my space." Mm-hmm. And the dogs would go, "Ooh, <laughs> you know, okay." <laughs> they would they would respond. <laughs> yeah, they would go, "I'm sorry," <laughs> <laughs> but. But, uh, you know, I sort of, I learned, I had to learn how to do anger from animals. Um, and of course, animals will also get really fierce with their anger and, you know, um, but, but Tommy was the person who, who finally, the, the animal who finally showed me how to use anger. And I was able to say, okay, so if I set a boundary by simply owning my own, my own experience in my own space, I don't have to hurt another person. I can just sort of set a boundary. So that's how I sort of started understanding all emotion is watching them in different people and seeing all the, all the range of that emotion and then understanding what the emotion was for. It was and a that, fascinating. And that's what your book does. It explains what the intention or energy behind the emotion really is. Yeah, what is it supposed to be doing? And then you can find out if you, for instance, if you have uh, tears that won't stop or anger that won't stop coming up. I put in the book, The Language of Emotions, each uh, emotion has its own chapter. And you go, and on the front page it says, you know, this emotion, this uh, anger sets boundaries. So where have your boundaries been um, violated? And what is your anger trying to help you do? And with sadness, sadness comes to help you let go of things that aren't working anyway. So what is, what is trying to be released, and why is it taking so long? What's going on here? Rather than, oh my gosh, you are crying and that means, you know, you're having some kind of serious problem and you need to go to the doctor right away. Rather, it's looking at what the emotion is trying to do and then understanding, you know, with your own intelligence um, and your own, you know, internal autonomy. Oh, oh, this emotion is just trying to help me and here's how I can work with it. And again, so helpful. You know, I deal, dealt with a lot of sadness, grief, and depression, and it was out of balance because I didn't give myself the opportunity to address or process my uh, repressed anger. Mm-hmm. So once I got that and got in touch with my anger, it kind of, it seemed like the fire kind of uh, uh, dried up some of the, the weepy, damp grief. Yeah. And um, it really brought me back into... Um, balance. It really helped me to become more congruent and whole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's funny. such helpful information. Yeah, because I think a lot of times people will think, well, what I, what I really want to be is less emotional. I want to be emotionless, and then I will be a rational and whole person. Mm. And That doesn't work very well, does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been involved with a community that who calls themselves the rationalists or and uh, you've never seen such unrelenting emotional silliness in your life among people who think they have no emotions. <laughs> well, <laughs> or we resist persists, emotions. I believe. <laughs> That's fascinating. I love that. Yeah. Let's just put it in the closet and pretend it doesn't exist. That'll work. That totally works. <laughs> Let's do it now. <laughs> They're fooling themselves, but not you or anybody else. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I began to understand about emotions is that they are actually older than Humanity. I mean, cats have a full range of emotions. Primates, uh, uh, fish have emotions. Um, uh, dinosaurs had emotions. Emotions are older than we are. 
They're older than language. They're older than culture. And people tend to say, well, then they're primitive. And I would say, no, they're ancient. Right? That's a, and that's a big difference. That primitive means, you know, unformed, not as smart as we are. But ancient means, to me, they hold um, really important information from, from, from the depth of our uh, evolution. And I often say, you know, emotions are older than we are, they're faster than thought, they're faster than words, and they're smarter than we are. Um, and that sort of turns people a little bit, uh, you know, sideways because they wait a minute. No, emotions are a sign that you're not intelligent, right? They're a sign that you're not in control. And I have to disagree. I, th- I think emotions... One of the things I say is, if you know how you feel, you'll know who you are. You'll know what's going on. That's a great quote. Yeah. If you know how you feel, you know who you are. Well, I love something you wrote in the back of your book. It says, when an emotion is healthy, it arises only when it's needed. It shifts and changes in response to its environment and recedes willingly once it has addressed an issue. So this is really about giving credence and establishing really healthy relationships with what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I am. Um, that's amazing. Because, again, if it's repressed, it's probably going to squirt out, leak out, come out in different ways, or we're going to attract it in other relationships. So I've found once I gave credence to my anger and can say, you know what? No, that doesn't feel good for me. I don't have to get to the point where I'm enraged. Yeah. And I don't have to get depressed anymore. Yeah. It's very yeah. balanced. So I feel like I'm, I, and I, I'm interested in what you would say about this. I feel I'm more in equanimity with all of my emotions. It doesn't mean I ignore them. It just means I have easier relationships with them. Does, mm-hmm, does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. When, when your emotions know that you're, you're listening to them and that you're their partner, they will just, um, sometimes they'll bubble up because there's some stuff that, that has to be dealt with. You know, they're like, really? She's listening? Okay, I want to talk about this. <laughs> right. um, I've got her attention. I'm going center really? stage with it. Let's go. Um, but that when, when people work with their emotions, generally they're much calmer and more focused and um, happier and more stable than people who run from emotions. Um, that once you get understanding what your emotions are and speaking their language, they calm down. They, they calm down and they, and they trust you. So instead of coming out, you know, when your anger comes out, it comes barreling, you know, with two knives and a mace and, 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 and guns, your anger might just say, did you like that? And you'll say, no. Your anger might say, well, then speak up. Uh, you know, do you know what I mean? It's a really, yes. it's really different. So when, when, you're ang- when your anger and your other emotions know that you're listening, they begin to speak more quietly. You know, you That's become... fascinating. It's like a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, I love this. So, you know, another emotion that gets a lot of bad rap that you also put into a different context and a different light is the energy of fear. So can you tell fear. me about the upside <laughs> of fear? With fear, I think people tend to, I can't decide which emotion people hate the most. Um, but it's usually the ones in the fear category, fear, jealousy, envy, panic. But fear has a really important, um, it has a really important job. And that is to help you know when things have changed, when things are new, and when there's a possible 
physical hazard possible. If there's a real physical hazard, fear is going to need to ramp up to get you out of there. It's going to need to ramp up into like an action basis. Um, But basically what fear does is it helps you become aware of your immediate surroundings. There's uh, an emotion that is connected to fear, anxiety, but anxiety is about the future. Anxiety is about getting you prepared for things that haven't happened yet. Mm. When there's fear, it's about something in the immediate surroundings or in your body. Um, and fear can be, uh, you could have for some reason um, an increase in adrenaline and you could start to feel fear because that would make sense. But it could be that there's nothing in the room that's going on. It's, it's your adrenaline. So the way to find out is to look around the room, see if anything has changed, if anything's new, if there's any hazard. If there isn't, then you can just check in and calm yourself. Or if you're you know, if the pounding heart or whatever keeps going, maybe check in with your doctor to see what's going on. But to know what fear does, you can get very clear about when it's there. And if it's about the future, that's anxiety. There's a different practice for anxiety. With fear, the question is, what action should be taken? And yeah, it's like a yellow flashing light. It's like yeah. a yield. It's a yield sign or a flashing yellow light. It's like pay attention. Yeah, and and it's I call helpful. fear is your intuition and your um, uh, I'll get it in a minute. <laughs> your instincts. <laughs> your intuition and your instincts. And so when people are very intuitive, they are working well with fear. But you, they would never say that to themselves. You know, and we wouldn't say it to them. I think that's another issue that I have with emotions is that we don't have names for them when they're calm. Rather, fear would be, ah! And anger would be, I'll kill you, right? There's, there's, we don't really have words for fear when a person is just very aware of his or her surroundings. We call that person aware or um, self-aware or uh, graceful, you know, or when people are really good with the early stages of their anger, we would call them um, self-aware or um, socially capable or something along those lines, but we wouldn't try trace it to anger because we don't know anger and fear and sadness at their soft kind of delicate level where they're just interacting uh, gracefully with the person. Wow, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, we would just say they're healthy or they have good boundaries or... Yeah, yeah we, wouldn't, really we wouldn't track it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating to me. So another area that I'm really fascinated with that you address is how working with emotions can help with addiction. So can you tell me a little bit about why and how this is? What I notice with addiction, and we've just lost a, a, a beautiful actor, um, Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman. Yes. So I'm aware okay. when I'm speaking that there are people uh, who are in a lot of pain about the loss of him. So let me speak gently about addiction. What I notice about addiction is that in many cases it is a part of the neurology of the person. There are people who can, you know, do drugs and not get addicted, and there are people who are very um, prone to addiction. But what I notice with people who head toward what I call distractions, which would be TV or alcohol or drugs or, or masturbation or, you know, anything where they take themselves away from doing their work, and they need to go have some time out. 
generally what initiates that need for timeout is an emotion that they can't deal with because they've never been taught or they've actually been told that they can't have, you know, like in your family, um, that there are emotions that are too difficult or too painful that the person has not been able to find a way to work with. So the person will go toward whatever addiction or distraction works for him or her. Um, and so we all do it. For people who are, whose neurology is more prone to addiction, that can be very dangerous, as, as we all know. But what I notice is what initiates the movement toward the addiction or the substance or the distraction is an emotion. It's not the emotion that says, hey, will you go and drink a whole lot of wine? Rather, it's the emotions that's saying, I, you know, I have this huge well of, 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 of information I'd like to give you about something that happened that I can't figure out. And the person doesn't have the skills that they need, so they will go toward the wine or whatever it is. And so in the language of emotions, I have people just take a look at their distraction abilities, uh, you know, capacities for distraction. And I don't make them into pathologies. Everybody needs to distract themselves. It's lovely to have a glass of wine. You know, it's lovely to take whatever drug works and, you know, have that be a moment. It's lovely to go and watch, what do they call it, binge-watching? Of television shows on Netflix, it's lovely to go Oh, yeah, marathons. Watch. Yeah, marathons. <laughs> you know, we all want need something to distract ourselves. That's okay. That's fine. But then just check in gently. Um, how, have you paid the bills? Is the house clean? You know, if you care about a clean house. Um, have, have you done everything you needed to do, or is this distraction taking over your life? Mm-hmm. Or is this, have you taken responsibility? Yeah. And so, but just, I just, I've just noticed that when people head toward a distraction, it is in response to an emotion that they have not been taught how to deal with or have been, you know, forbidden to have. Right. Again, sweeping it under the carpet or putting it in the closet. Yeah, they got to go someplace. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you ignore it doesn't mean it goes away. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, and then I think one of the problems is when when there is a substance that is in itself highly addicting, then the spiral happens that the person may not be able to get back off of. You know, they can sort of get their foot stuck on an escalator going down, and they can't get back up. Yeah, spiraling down. Yeah, so really good information. And and we only have a couple minutes left here, and I don't think our conversation would be complete without addressing the energy of love. So would you say love is an emotion? How do you describe this thing called love? This thing called love. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little question. You got two minutes to answer it. (laughs) For me, no, love is not an emotion. And there are pieces of love that, um, what would you say, that are, you know, the lust, the desire, the intense, um, uh, well, yeah, the intensity might feel more like an emotion. But for me, having been raised by animals to a great extent, I don't see love as an emotion. You said before that when an emotion is healthy, it shifts and changes in response to its environment. It goes away when it's not needed. And when love is healthy, it doesn't do that. Love doesn't shift and change. It is stable. And it doesn't go away and come back. If it does, I don't call that love. So for me, 
it helped me, knowing love from animals helped me understand the difference between love and emotion. Because emotions are supposed to move and flow and change and you deal with one and another one comes up and then you feel contentment because you dealt with those two and then the, the emotions are continually moving and changing and shifting uh, as they should. But with love, it's a stable, it's a promise, it's, it's, it's a dedication to the soul of another and to the soul of the world. I, I don't love see love as an emotion. Yeah, it's like the consistent foundation that, that our life is established on, or, mm-hmm. or hopefully anyway. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's awesome. I just love how you explain things. And I love how you write. It's so beautiful the way you use language to uh, just explain, describe, and share. It's just brilliant, brilliant. So, Carla, if people are interested in knowing more about you or getting a copy of one of your books, um, how can they go about that? I'm on Facebook and Twitter as Carla McLaren, and my website is CarlaMcLaren.com. It's K-A-R-L-A-M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Such good stuff. And I'm so, so honored and so excited that you've agreed to do another show with me. So we're going to have you uh, featured on Journey to Center and Empower Radio again. And you really are just one of my very favorite experts and authority on the power of emotions. And... um, we're going to do a show about empathy, too, which is another really good subject. Thank you. Such good stuff. So to any of my guests and listeners, for sure, if you want to learn more about your emotions and, and cultivate a happier, healthier relationship with them, for sure, get in touch with Carla McLaren and uh, follow her on Facebook. You can go to her website and, and find out more about her different uh, – you have CDs or you have different um, courses that are available, too, don't you? Yes, yes. A lot of good stuff here. So thank you to my listeners, Brent Carey, Nate, Matt, for creating this forum called Empower Radio and taking such good care of Carla and me today. And my listeners, if you want to get in touch with me, please go to my website, TammyBPhD.com, or find me on Facebook. I love to connect. That's what this show is all about. So you're in my heart. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.